come to do our dance and magnify him. We come to do our dance and give him praise. We come to lift our hands and magnify him. We come to lift our hands and give him praise. Praise, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We come to praise his name. Good God Almighty. What a wonderful day. What a wonderful opportunity we have before us to worship a true and living God who is living and alive in each of us at this very moment, animating us, giving us strength and power to move and to breathe and to, ah, oh, just to, whew, just, just to be alive. Thank you, God. Uh, we will engage in our litany, our call to worship this morning is from Psalms 118. Verses 1 through 4, I will serve as leader. Y'all, oh, y'all got it. Well, come on, do it. I'm sorry, sure. Come on, sir. Yeah. Good morning, church. Good morning. Ashe. 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 We come this morning with a litany. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. And that is our litany. Ashe. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. You know, when I was just a little girl, my grandfather used to always tell me, Jesus on the main line, call him up, tell him what you want. So right now, with bowed heads and humble hearts, let's call him up. Let's call him up. Lord, we come to you right now. Right now, Lord, we ask you to continue to put your love in this house. Lord, you say we don't have to have a building to do this, to worship you. But Lord, we thank you that we do. Lord, we thank you for the vision of our senior servant in that first 13 few. To come up here on this hill and give and give and love and love. Lord, we ask you to bless each one of us individually and collectively. Lord, you know what each one of us needs. And Lord, sometimes it's okay for us not to be okay. But we know if we just call your name, it gets better every day. So, Lord, while we gather here today, we ask you to bless our senior servant. We ask you to bless 
every individual in this place. Lord, we ask you to just show us how to continue to be kind and loving to others. Lord, I want you to bless the homeless, the helpless, the incarcerated, the sick. Lord, bless them all because they're yours. Without you, Lord, there's no us. And Lord, I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Don't want to ask you for nothing. I just want to thank you what you've done thus far. Lord, I can go on and on and on and on, but I'm not because you know from my heart that I appreciate you. Not allowing my bed to be my cooling board this morning. Lord, we just thank you. We ask you to stay with us during this day. And all these things we ask for in your son, Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. And I'll shake. While we're standing, we invite you to engage with us in the guiding ideals of the beloved Community Church of Atlanta. It should appear on the screens in front of you. And I'm going to ask Sister Mariah to come and lead us in the principles of my life. Good morning, everybody. All right, we're going to go ahead and start off the guiding ideals with the principles of my eye. All right, I'll say the word, you repeat it after me, and I'll give a brief definition of what that means to us at the beloved community, all right? All right, truth. Truth, truth is the absence of lies, falsehoods, and fakery. It is the presence of honest and open communication among the mighty and the holy people of God. Justice. Justice. Justice when the people who need the most help get the most help. Order. Order is acting with the aim of honoring the agreed upon norms and the best practices that we have identified as helpful to the flourishing of our people. Harmony. Harmony. Harmony is maintaining the legacy and the creativity of being able to be your own unique self while seamlessly expressing yourself as part of the group. So that's different notes, different instruments blended together to make one beautiful sound. All right, righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is right thoughts, right actions, resulting in right relationality among others who are striving to be in relationship with divinity. Balance. Balance. Balance is living a robust life, tempered by wisdom, wherein curiosity and circumspection, sorry, curiosity and satisfaction are mediated by moderation and circumspection. Reciprocity. Reciprocity. Reciprocity is understanding that giving, planting, and serving results in receiving harvest and reaping in every aspect of people activity. Let's get a hand clap for that. Thank you guys for your participation. And now we'll move on to the virtues of my eye, and we'll say these together on the count of three. One, two, three. Control of thoughts, control of actions, devotion to one's purpose, Faith in your teacher's ability to teach truth. Faith in myself to assimilate the truth. Faith in myself to wield the truth. Freedom from resentment under persecution. Freedom from resentment under wrong. 
Ability to distinguish right from wrong. Ability to distinguish real from unreal. Thank you, guys. And now we'll have Molly come and help us with the Nguzu Saba. Let's give another hand clap of praise this morning. It's a blessing to see each and every one of y'all beautiful black faces on this day. This day that the Lord has made. Now it is time for the Nguzu Saba Severn Principles. How this goes, I will say the Swahili word first. You will repeat it after me. Then we'll move on to the English word. You will repeat it after me, repeat it after me as well, and we'll read these stanzas together. Is that okay? And if you're black and proud, I know every one of y'all ain't black and proud, because look at our people. But if you're black and proud, put your fist up as we say it, all right? All right. Umoja, umoja, unity to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race. Kujichagulia, kujichagulia, self-determination to define ourselves, name ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. Ujima, Ujima, collective work and responsibility to build and maintain our communities and make our sisters and brothers' problems our problems and to solve them together. I have a lot of power, I love it. Ujoma, Ujoma, cooperative economics to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. Y'all letting the West End go, we gotta get it back. Y'all letting the West End go. Nia, Nia, purpose to make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. Kaumba, Kaumba, creativity to do always as much as we can in the way that we can in order to leave our community more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. Let's bring it home. Imani, Imani, faith to believe with all our hearts in our creator, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, our people, and the righteousness and victory of our struggle. Love y'all, God bless y'all. Amen. That was powerful, Molly. It's so beautiful to see each and every one of your faces today. And while we are standing and have this opportunity, I would that you would touch the person next to you as we engage in a prayer of unity, a unity prayer.
my hand in total adoration. foundation for everything else. And so, God, here we are. And, Lord, I just want to ask you to help us, God, to see you. Oh, God, we are having such a hard time seeing you, God, seeing you in everything that you create, seeing you in all kind of people, Seeing you, God, not excluding you, not saying that you are not somewhere because you are everywhere. But the problem is that we can't see it, Lord, because we have blinders on and we have trouble seeing you and hearing you. So, God, help us, God, to see you. Because when we see you everywhere we are, then we can be unified with everywhere we are because we are unified with you because we see you and there's nowhere that you're not there. Oh, God, help us see you. Mm. Oh, God. Let's oh, Lord, here we are, God. And we want to lay down our burdens before you, God. But even before that, God, we want to ask you. No, Lord, we want to thank you for this pastor's anniversary, God. We want to thank you for this eight years 
that our senior servant and first lady and family and congregation and members and friends, Lord, have toiled to keep this ministry alive and to keep it going. Oh, God, we just want to thank you. Thank you. Because we know, God, if you didn't have us in your hand, we wouldn't be able to be here. If you didn't have us in your hand, we wouldn't be able to stand. If you didn't have us in your hand, we would have been knocked out, thrown out, down and out, and no way of getting up. But because of you, God, because of you, God, we got knocked down, but we got up. Because of you, God, we got slapped around, but we still stood up. And because of you, God, we got the healing that we need to carry on. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you for our senior servant, God, that he was able to make this eighth anniversary. Because it wasn't too long ago. Wasn't too long ago, Lord, that it all hung in the balance. It wasn't too long ago, Lord, that we didn't know how it was going to turn out. But God, it was you. It was you. It was you who showed mercy and brought our pastor back to us. Gave him the breath of life the rule that he could come back. Oh God, we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. In the precious name, the mighty name, the holy name, the healing name, the saving name of that black Messiah with skin of burnt bronze and hair of wool. The black Jesus. And we say amen. 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 Ashe. Ashe. praying for us, Reverend Knight. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless each and every one of you that are present here, making up this beautiful congregation today. Um, the sign says it's time for our occasion, and I would imagine Sister Cookie, Deacon Cookie, is going to come and share our occasion with us. 
Put your hands together for her as she comes. Thank you, Doc. Blessings. I love you. The occasion. I want to say, Alafia, Reverend Slaughter, First Lady, our beloved ministers, deacons, and members, Alafia to our honored guests. I'm blessed to stand before you this morning and say why we're all here today. Um, Webster's Dictionary defines occasion as number one, date of an event, number two, the event itself, and three, a celebration. Well, my beloved, the date is Sunday, April the 16th, 2023, as you know. The event is our pastor's eighth anniversary, and we are here to celebrate Reverend Dr. F. Keith Slaughter. That's right, give him his flowers while he can see him and smell him. Yeah. Glory be to God. We are so happy to celebrate the eighth anniversary of our pastor and the first family. Ashe? Glory be to God. We're so happy to celebrate the eighth anniversary of of our pastor and the first family. Reverend Slaughter started this ministry about eight years ago with a small gathering of founding members. He's been a visionary and a blessing to our congregation. The theme for this eighth anniversary is wisdom, strength, balance, and resilience. From new beginnings to infinity. Our pastor embodies all those things. He is an intelligent black man. His sermon game is powerful. He's committed to the guiding ideal of balance. And true to his astrological sign, Leo, he has resilience. And just want to say we are blessed again to have the pastor and we appreciate the opportunity to celebrate him today. And let me just conclude by saying, I am beloved, you are beloved, and Doc, you are beloved. Peace and love. Boy, everybody seems to be in a wonderful mood right now. Y'all see, the, I'm looking at you. You're looking happy and looking like uh, you're ready to give a great, yeah, a great offer. And uh, and we need to receive it. <laughs> we have so much work that must be done. Um, so many people to feed in this community that we do 
and we do that with much of what is raised by you. And so we thank God for you, and we ask that you would um, participate in this offering and that you would give your best out of your best. Let me ask you to get what you got, get it together and put it together and prepare to bring it. stand on your feet and let's prepare to bring our gifts be led by your ushers be led by your ushers as they tell you to come when to come and which way to go yeah 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 hey bless Turn it around. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. The 
Lord, we bless the gifts. We bless the givers. We pray that that which was given would be used for the upbuilding of this ministry and your kingdom in this world. And we ask it all in the name of sweet black Jesus. For his sake we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Put your hands together. Give God praise. Wonderful. I see your recognition of the First Lady Archbishop Arnetta Slaughter. Yeah. Is there something other than is there something that happens when we say we're gonna recognize her? Okay. And happy eighth anniversary to Reverend Dr. F. Keith Slaughter. Yeah. supposed to happen now. Y'all know I don't know nothing. Y'all got me walking around looking. All right. So, uh, so, introduction of speaker. Okay. So, don't say nothing up there about that. Uh, put the next thing up there. Put the next slide up. Okay, thank you. Now I would know. I, I can read, you know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just a little, I'm just a little slow, but I can still read. <laughs> um, it, have you come to introduce? Oh, wonderful. So I don't have to do that. That's a wonderful thing. Go back to the previous slide. Please. Please go back. We're waiting for you. Come on out. Anticipation. We love you. We got you. Bless you. So we do First Lady first, and then Pastor Lamb. This is all for First Lady. Some gift, just some gifts, love. All right. Thank you all. Uh, stay right there, sir. Stay right there. Y'all, you know our pastor's a servant, right? And so he doesn't know how 
not to serve. And some, so, you know. Okay. SKS, you're doing the tribute? Pastor? Amen. First of all, I want to, it's, it's good to see so many people out today. It's, it's amazing. You know what? Um, when I appeared and showed up in that side door, and they accepted me exactly who I was, he didn't tell me to take my hat off. He didn't tell me nothing. He was there for me. He let me, call, he put me in check when I needed to be in check. This man is a total servant. With his education that he has under his belt, and his swag, the trap, the trap pastor, the only trap pastor in the country. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better than you. And I was, listen, and because of you and watching you, and my, my disappearance because, because of your encouragement, I am in seminary school. That's why I backed up, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Because of him, I, had, I was lost. And your servant, your servanthood, and showing me, and your example to your family has made me buckle down and handle my business. Guys, he's a servant. And, and I had something to write, but I left it there because I wanted to let you know what you mean to me in my heart. Because if I didn't see him serve, I wouldn't be serving out there right now what I'm doing because he's a lead servant. And we appreciate you here. And thank you for landing here at 113 Iris Street for us. All right, Pastor. that's already in the, out there in the foyer. And it just says, congratulations to the praise of his glory, of his grace, which is freely bestowed in us in the beloved Ephesians 1 and 4. Dr. F. Keith Slaughter, happy eight-year anniversary as senior pastor. The beloved Community Church of Atlanta, Incorporated, 113 Irish Street, Atlanta, Georgia. This Sunday... April the 16th, we honor you, we honor both of you, because we understand and know that you are a team, a phenomenal team, amen, amen, amen. We got the visionary and we got the detail-oriented sergeant, archbishop, we lovingly call her. Amen. And we love you. We love both of you just as you are. Do not have to change. You do not have to adjust. You don't have to augment. Okay? Just be you. We will love you because I know you love us just as we are. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Let me say, just say thank you to everybody. Um, thank you to Reverend Knight and Sister Cookie and Shucks, just everybody. I can't, if I started naming folks, I would leave somebody out. So just to the whole of the beloved family and those who love the beloved, uh, thank you for your kindness, for your love, and for your willingness to share with us in this ministry. 
Amen. All right. All right. Love y'all. Bless y'all. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, before I get into this, uh, I have a quick announcement to make. Uh, there's a white Honda CRV that is too far in the street, so the bus can't get by. It is that your vehicle, if you can please move it. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. It's a white Honda CRV uh, that's too far in the street. If that's your vehicle, if you can please move it. Thank you. Um, so this service, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing Pastor Derek Rice. Uh, before I get into uh, the litany of things that he's accomplished, uh, I would like to say publicly, um, in my profession, there's a saying, um, amateurs talk strategy, professionals talk tactics, and I want to thank you for your tactical movement in the healing of my father uh, during his time of need. <laughs> Uh, so, Reverend Dr. Derek Rice is a founding pastor of Sankofa United Church of Christ. Uh, as a pastor, community activist, and civic leader, Pastor Derek works daily to embody the philosophy of the West African Sankofa symbol, which purports the wisdom of to go back and retrieve. His travel throughout Europe, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Senegal, Libya, Ethiopia, Uganda, and the Caribbean has intensified his belief that there is no task more sacred than the liberation of oppressed people. <laughs> Pastor Derek is a co-founder and spiritual advisor for Let Us Make Man, a powerful organization committed to reclaiming black manhood. Pastor Derek is a native of Chicago, Illinois. He received his Bachelor's of Arts degree from the illustrious Morehouse College, and the master <laughs> and a, a master of divinity with dual concentration and honors from the indomitable interdenominational theological center in Atlanta, Georgia. Pastor Derek is a powerful preacher who has been invited to preach and teach throughout the United States and parts of Africa. His work as an activist organizer led him to become the director of community engagement in the city of Atlanta's mayor's office of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Reverend Rice is a new director of the Lutheran Theological Center in Atlanta. In this role, he will lead and recruit participants for non-degree and degree programs in theological education and spiritual growth with an intentional focus on African descent pedagogies and the development of African descent leaders and communities. Uh, Pastor Rice is a proud member of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Aya, aya, aya. Uh, a member of the Prince Hall Masonic Order and even more proud father of three, this word is in bold, uh, beautiful young ladies, Jalen, Kylan, and Zion. Uh, please welcome uh, Pastor Derek Rice. 
the rice goes up for that. Um, we had a couple brief um, gifts that we wanted to present as well on behalf of San Kofi United Church of Christ. So, Mr. Slaughter, will you please come back up here? <laughs> on behalf of our church, we just wanted to say congratulations on eight years of church and service. And we also were given um, a little bit of time to thank my father as well. Our church's 19th anniversary is this week. So we wanted to say congratulations. Congratulations on 19 years of ministry and leading San Kofi United Church of Christ to where it is today. 19 years is hard. So, we love you. I love you. And congratulations. Amen. So, on behalf of St. Kofa, all its members and friends of yours, we just wanted to give you a little something to say that we love you. We appreciate everything you do. And we know we're still being elevated with you. Amen, amen, amen.
will bless the Lord at all times. God's praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast of the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt God's name together. For the Lord is good, and God's mercy is everlasting, and God's truth does endure to all generations. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one that trusts in the Lord. I don't know about y'all, but I recognize that God is the one that woke me up this morning. And every time I get a chance to give God praise, I'm going to stand to my feet. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to make some noise. And I say that I thank God for giving me another chance, after another chance, after another chance. Oh, taste and see how good God. Somebody else say hallelujah. Where we are, God brought us. What we know, God taught us. What we have, God gave us. And we don't have 10 million tongues that are enough to give God the praise that God so richly deserves. But all of us can shout hallelujah. 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 <laughs> there are some people who have never worshipped at the beloved community church of Atlanta before. So some of y'all don't know what's going on right here. I'm going to tell y'all that this is a peculiar place. And what you're experiencing on this morning is something very special. And there were a couple of illusions that people have made standing behind this lectern to a miracle that in my mind, we all still be doing cartwheels and losing our minds over it pastor of this church coded not long ago. Pastor of this church, as I understand it, was turning blue because he had left here. The paramedics had to bring him back to life. And we were wondering what was being alluded to. Was, uh, uh, it was said that we were wondering what would happen. We were wondering whether or not we would see our brother again. And we in here acting like what is ain't and what ain't is and acting like it's just something small that this man is alive and living and leading worship experience and preaching like only God's servant could preach. Somebody ought to say thank you for life and thank you for giving me another chance and thank you for allowing me to see a living miracle right now today before I've, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to act an absolute fool every time I get a chance because I recognize that we could be standing here doing something totally different. I recognize that we haven't gotten what it is that we deserve. I recognize that this is a time that God has made and we ought to be thankful and be joyful in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to preach like they asked me to, but man, I'd be doggone if we're going to sit here and act like. To the officers of a beloved community church in Atlanta, the members of this church, ladies and gentlemen, 
We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, our African Messiah. Or in the language of antiquity, we greet you in the name of the one who allows our golden days to roll on just a little while longer. We bring you greetings from the service of Sankofa United Church of Christ. Y'all could wave your hands or something we thank and praise God for your presence on this morning. To the Archbishop of this church, Dr. Arnetta Slaughter, <laughs> we thank and praise God for you, my sister, from another mister to uh, my surrogate son, one of them, Kitty Man. Who uh, introduced me, Ara Ara. We thank and praise God for my frat brother, whom I'm more proud of, and he even recognizes. To Mariah and Molly, we thank and praise God for you all, y'all family. And I thank God for y'all. Then to the pastor of this branch of Zion, the Reverend Dr. F. Keith Slaughter, celebrating eight years of committed ministry. Sometimes I think we kind of run past, yeah, give God praise for that. I think we kind of run past words sometimes. When I say committed ministry, I know all of us get a particular picture in our minds. And I'm going to get to the preach word, but there's just a lot that's in my heart and spirit this morning. This man's commitment to this kind of ministry um, is a much bigger deal than I think people realize. I uh, I remember meeting Dr. Slaughter as a seminarian, and uh, I'm nowhere near as gifted a preacher as this brother is, and I so much so didn't know some of the buzzwords and tools of preaching. Um, but when I met him, I learned for the first time what hooping was. I didn't even know. I hadn't even heard what that was. And... Uh, so much so that I remember going home for Christmas that first semester of seminary, and I asked my pastor, Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright, what is hooping? And so he told me, come to the 6 o'clock service. He preached a whole sermon on what hooping was. And he said, sit in the pool because I want you to hear what it is so that you don't get it twisted. And he talks a lot. I don't even think I've ever told you a story. He talked in the sermon the whole time about how his dad had taught him how to cook all kinds of meals. He landed on his favorite meal and talked about how it wasn't really the meal that was his favorite. It was the gravy that his father taught him how to make. And he talked about how he would put a, a good steak in the skillet and that the juice from the steak is what made good gravy. And what he talked about, for some people who don't know Reverend Dr. Jeremiah Wright, who's also one of our fraternity brothers, he's a Negro's Negro. And... He made it very clear. He said, some Negroes who hoop and ain't earned the right to hoop because the steak ain't good. He said, good hooping takes place when the meat was good and that that rose over. There's a pastor in this house that uses good meat every Sunday. And he ends with a hoop that doesn't make any sense. He's also committed. Because when we were having that conversation, if we're going to be 100% honest about it, 
he probably looked as crazily at me about this African-centered idea of ministry as I was at him about what hooping was. Y'all don't believe that, do you? It is sometimes uh, painful for me to come and worship in the beloved community church of Atlanta to see that a brother who heard something that I was talking about I don't know how long ago has taken it to levels that I could never even imagine. See, y'all don't clap when y'all supposed to clap. Y'all just, I said committed, right? This, 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 this dude could be all over the country hooping and yelling and yanking it and getting paid. He could be a millionaire if he wanted to. But because he chooses to talk about being black and that Jesus was an African Messiah, he's moved into this space. I just want us to recognize what we're celebrating today. I'm, I'm going to get to the preaching moment. I'm going to get to the preaching moment. So we celebrate eight years of ministry. We celebrate eight years of provision from God, eight years of guidance by God, eight years of amazing grace. God has seen this brother through some weary years. If you all could have been flies on the wall or in some of the conversations that we've had, y'all, this is a lonely route to go. It's lonely enough being an ambassador for Jesus the Christ. But it's sure enough lonely when you recognize that Jesus is African and most black folk don't want to be black. <laughs> Make you want to quit sometime. And so we thank and praise God, brother, for... Your example, we thank and praise God for your stick to itness. We thank and praise God for you being who and how you are, despite what folk think you should be. Amen. Amen. So I want to lift up the idea that the same God that has started you in ministry decades ago, this is just eight years of this church. This brother's been doing ministry forever. I ain't even gonna tell you how long it's been, because he ain't but about 35 years old. But it's that same God that I want to suggest this morning uh, that is saying right now, remember what I've already done for you before and embrace what it is I'm about to do because the best is yet to come. We thank God for this pastor. There's a word from the Lord on this morning. I'm thankful for the service in Sankofa who are here for portion of our music ministry that is here. Please keep our minister of music lifted in prayer, who is probably at home in bed where she should have been last week. But let her know that we, amen. There you go, little church. Tell her, tell her, tell her. But we thank and praise God for the members of Sankofa and for uh, these musicians who are beyond what makes sense. We thank God for you. There's a word from the Lord that can be found in the New Testament book of James, James chapter 1, New Testament book of James, chapter 1. If you choose, uh, maybe you can stand to your feet as we read uh, God's Word, and I invite you to listen for God's voice in the Word on this morning. James, James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. And God's Word reads this way. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we love you. We praise you and we magnify your holy and righteous name. We thank you uh, for the privilege of preaching. We thank you for the privilege of prayer because we recognize that through prayer, uh, all manner of possibilities come alive. Protection comes alive. Prophetic utterance comes alive. Move, God, on this morning. Your people need to hear word from you. We ask that you're intentional, God, on today about making sure that at the culmination of this worship experience that we not only be hearers of your word, but doers of the same. Now, this is our prayer in the saving and masterless and marvelous name of your son, Jesus Christ, our African Messiah, or as slaughter refers to him, sweet baby black Jesus. This is our prayer. And all those who know and love the Lord said together, amen and ashe. As you have your seats in the presence of the Lord, I'm asking that you all pray with me as I use as a topic to preach from uh, preparation out of your tribulation. Preparation out of your tribulations. I hope I've acknowledged everybody I was supposed to. I probably should have called my oldest daughter by name, Jalen. I love you beyond what words can explain. Anybody I messed up on, charge it to my head, not my heart. Preparation out of your tribulations. I want to key in on the resilience part of a theme. I uh, am serious when I tell you all that the slaughters are family to me. Uh, Molly back there in that red, black, and green shirt. Can you imagine that every time I saw him for years, I picked him up and turned him around? I can't pick that nigga up now, but that's how long. That's how long our families have uh, been family. So this idea of resilience means something to me uh, for real on this morning. So I'm wondering if anyone in this room this morning has ever experienced tribulations. Uh, maybe you've had more month than money, but you work hard and you are wondering why. It feels like trouble on every side every now and again. I'm, I'm wondering if there's anybody in the room who has ever experienced uh, what the sister said when she was praying earlier, when she said, and, and now we recognize that sometimes it's okay to not be okay because of the tribulations that can be treacherous in our lives, tribulations, tribulations, pushing through a past and a present that is poisoned with white supremacies, trip, trip, tribulations, tribulations. Y'all ain't with me yet. A motley crew of beloved community Africans in a foreign land in this brush harbor that we're in being called by God to be who, what, and who and what you've been called to be. Tribulations come with that. Y'all, y'all, y'all still ain't with me yet. I asked the question if there was anyone in the room that's ever experienced trials and tribulations, but since you all think I'm here to perform, let me say then that the truth of the matter is if we're honest about it, somebody sitting in this sanctuary right now in the middle of a trial or tribulation as we speak. I didn't need you to answer the question in the first place because I know if your skin has been kissed by nature's sun, you are aware of tribulations that have taken place in your life. 
Even though we love the Lord and our faith has never faltered, the truth is the pain can yet be so piercing and the disappointment can yet be so depressing that sometimes you want to tap out. I wonder if I'm right about it yet this morning. I want to suggest to someone today, though, that I believe that God just might be in the process of preparing us to become a picture that mirrors the character of Christ Jesus that we came here to celebrate. I'm going to preach this morning. And in, 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 in fact, I would argue, Dr. Slaughter, that, that everything that happens to us is for the purpose of creating in us the character of Christ Jesus. Somebody needs to know we came to worship. But, but, but if we're honest about it, most of us, Rodney, are tempted to tap out when trials and tribulations try us in our lives. In fact, most of us lack the spiritual power that we're longing for because when God sends trials our way, we do everything we can to try to move away from the trial instead of being transformed by the trial. Uh, uh, and it makes sense to me when we begin to try to run away because uh, from the pulpit to the pews in every church across this country, we are facing pervasive and public and private tribulations that are going on in our lives. The kind of tribulations that can usually steal your sleep and take your appetite and remove your health and take your discipline and your purpose all before your very eyes. Our people, brothers and sisters are facing all kinds of tribulations that are born out of the trauma from the poly pandemics that are plaguing people of color worldwide. Family violence is plaguing our people and child abuse and human trafficking and psychological warfare. Those are some things that are intended to dismantle our bodies, our minds, and our souls. And yet here we are in the beloved community church on Sunday morning recognizing that there's a God that's got an answer for all of those things. I'm trying to suggest that tribulations should not scare us the way that they do from pulpit to pew. We're facing the kinds of tribulations that can lead some folk to suicide. If we're honest about it, there are more people than just the one or two that I've talked to that have committed or tried to commit suicide. Y'all didn't even hear what I just said. I said, the one or two people that I talk to, and I'm talking about one of the people that's in my prayer life every day. Sometimes we consider checking out of here because of some of the trouble and trials that come our way from pulpit to the pew. Some of these tribulations can lead us to consider suicide. Since somebody's stuck on what the preacher just said, suicide of your mind and suicide of your marriages, your bodies, your souls, and the cause that God has on your life. But I need someone to hear since y'all still stuck on that. Whatever it is that you're dealing with right now could have been designed to create Christ-like characteristics in your life. I believe that this text that I just read is, is tailored to teach us that our tribulations might well be preparation for God's transformation in our lives. The text tells us that trials and tests are unavoidable in your life. Why is it that you believe that because you walk down the aisle in the building that your trials are supposed to end because you confess the Lord as your personal Savior? Why is it that you think that you should no longer have problems plaguing you when God has called you to be a against the Roman Empire, that means that trouble's coming your way because 
But sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the reason for the trouble in our lives is preparation for a transformation that God's been trying to make in your life for too long, but you're the one that don't want to change. Ah. <laughs> uh, because I recognize where I am, and y'all's pastors are scholar among scholars, I need to show that I did a little bit of research, and I want to suggest that some scholars say that the writer of this book in the Bible, who was probably Jesus' brother, which tells us that if it was Jesus' brother that wrote this book, that it tells us that his writing absolutely has to be informed by what he saw his people experience. Hear what I'm saying? He saw his people experience uh, the hands of a Roman government oppressing people in Northeast Africa. That's what this brother saw. He, he saw his people experience the Roman government with his own eyes do all kinds of debauchery amongst his people. And the last I checked, Rome was over in Europe and Africa is in Africa, but white folks are calling the shots. Don't you know this man had experienced all manner of tribulation? Y'all don't want to read the Bible for real. He, he had heard the Emperor Augustus say that the era that they were living in was called Pax Romana. It, it meant the season of peace. He had heard that, but what he saw was that the season was peaceful for everybody except the Africans in Northeast Africa. Somebody needs to know it's all right there in the Bible. He, he saw the Romans regularly rape African women. He saw the Romans' army and their military presence. He knew the fear that this police presence had indelibly etched in the psyches of all of his people. He he knew tribulations. I'm just trying to set it up, y'all. His writing, his writing has to be informed by the impression that his people had experienced. Rome is all the way over there in Africa, but they're yet banning books and expelling black legislators and stealing black farmers' land so they can build plants to create more jobs for white people. History is repeating itself, brothers, for the purpose of white pockets getting fatter and capitalism remaining king. James knew that the scripture said, whoa, to those who pass unjust laws and hurt the poor folk and rob them of their rights. James's writing was informed by what it was he saw the Roman emperors do. And his writing also, JP, it complements Paul's teaching on faith. Hear what it is I'm saying. This is how people explain Paul's familiarity with Jesus when Paul ain't never met Jesus a day in his life. Y'all don't ever question the fact that he's responsible for writing 66% of the book and ain't never met the man. But, 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 but if we look at it, uh, uh, when, when, when the Bible says that he only met Jesus in a dream, it's helpful to understand that this writer might have been Jesus' brother because James's statement in this text literally calls for what Paul later calls the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> uh, uh, the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit of the book of Galatians, and some of y'all acting like y'all know what I'm talking about. It, it, it gives us a glimpse of what our lives might look like when our transformation finally takes place. The fruit of the Spirit. I know y'all revolutionary over here, so let me put it this way. What a suggestion is, is that the revolution that you all are working towards will never take place if the spirit ain't in the middle of it. God don't care that some of y'all are halfway as smart as the Reverend Dr. F. Keith Slaughter. If it ain't no spirit in it, it ain't going to move. 
Now I got y'all's attention. I wonder if everybody in the room, if we looked at our own lives and if we looked at it, I wonder what we would find about the transformation process that's taking place in our lives. I, I wonder if the fruit of the Spirit even shows up. Does love show up on a regular basis like we've been praying on? Does joy and peace rule your relationships with other melanated people? Is patience what you practice when you're dealing with our people? Is long-suffering going to be your legacy when you leave here. I wonder if the fruit of the Spirit is always evident in your life. Before you answer the question, the truth is everybody in the room could be doing a little bit better. And the reason perhaps is because we refuse to allow God to use our trials and our tribulations to develop us. We don't let God develop us so we can't be the lovers that God has called us to be. God is trying to do something in your life and last week's victories ain't no good for this week. What you're going through ain't no accident, y'all. Uh, God has a purpose in mind to develop you through the trials that you're going through. And one of the first things that I see in the text, so I can go on and get into it and then go and sit down. The first thing that, that suggests is it, it tells me about how we might get preparation out of our tribulations. Is the first thing we got to do is push for a providential perspective when we're going through. I, I, I'm not saying be reminded that you grew up on 107th and Eggleston and Roseland in Chicago and look at it through those lenses because that'll get somebody pumping head deluxe. Y'all get that on the way home. Uh, the text says in verse 2, it says, count it all joy. Count it all joy? The word count in this text, Tracy, it means to make an assessment. And our assessment absolutely has to be made from God's perspective if we're going to stay out of jail and stay sane. Because if we try to count some of the pain and some of the disappointment that we've experienced as joy without God's help, we would lose our natural black minds. The anointing that God has for you, it does not get activated until you stop reciting formulas that are posing as prayers in your life. It sounds good, but ain't no power to it. You, 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 you can be more than what you are right now. You can have more. You can live more and manifest more than what you're doing right now. You just got to be straight up with God and quit playing church and doing Jesus. Y'all don't, all right. We're going to shout at the end. You're going to shout at the end. But, but when we look at it from God's perspective, the truth is we can conclude that it really is all joy. Yeah, I might have thought about suicide. And yeah, I'm angry with the way people are treating me. And yeah, this is a lonely experience. Even if it hurts, it is still joy if I look at it through God's perspective. It doesn't matter how painful it is. It does lead to joy. The issue is that when trouble comes, our instinct is, is to complain about the pain instead of learning what God is trying to give us to learn. We try, if we're honest about it, to convince ourselves, God, I don't deserve this. There's some other folk that ought to be suffering like I'm suffering. I, I work in the church. I preach in the church. 
I sing in the choir. I try to do my best every time somebody cuts me off on 285. God, God I, I, I don't deserve this. And many times when we get into that mode, we miss the point because the truth is to whom much is given, much more is required. That's why the pressure feels so heavy and that's why the darkness is so dark and that's why the pain is so piercing. We've got to push for a providential perspective we got to be honest with ourselves and be honest with God because the truth is all of us have stuff in us that keeps us stuck in the old places that we say we're trying to get out of. The members of Sankofa used to get mad. I remember Mama Lucy was still at the church. She would get mad when I used to say this. I'm going to say it now. I hope y'all say saints don't get mad. My favorite philosopher ever is Richard Pryor. And I used to tell him all the time, I, I'm going to get mine. Y'all better get yours. Y'all get that one on the way home too. I believe in the pit of my soul that God is trying to use the process that many of us are going through to prepare us for the new you that God is trying to pull you to. No matter how dark the dilemma is, I'm suggesting that there is deliverance in this development. There's deliverance in this darkness. You don't have to try to sex it out of your life or drink it out of your life or smoke it out of your life or lie it out of your life. There is development in the midst of this darkness if you just go through the process. Y'all ain't with me yet. There's development. Because God is and was right there with you when the lights went out and you thought folk didn't see what it was you were doing. <laughs> I'm going to get mine if y'all don't get yours. God was right there when you went to go to that spot you knew you wasn't supposed to go to. God was right there when you made that decision you made. God was right there with you in the middle of the darkness. So it suggests that there's development that's possible in this dark room that you're going through right now. Y'all need to see that a little bit more clear. I got it. The issue is, when we go into some of these places that we go to, slaughter that we were just talking about back there, we just could not see the image that God was trying to develop in our lives. I'm suggesting that if we, have, if we avail ourselves to the development in our darkness, I believe that we'll be better equipped to see the image that God already sees that you can't see. God see it already. You're operating at a space that God doesn't intend for you to be operating in. Let me try to tell you this way. Let me try to tell you this way. I have, hands down, told the members of Sankofa this story a million times, so I act like you're hearing it for the first time. But I have the cheapest father ever. He's cheap. Uh, I will say that he... Rodney, he wrote a check to Morehouse College every semester. I never got a student loan, never got uh, a grant, never got nothing. So he did that. But beyond that, Paul Rice, cheap, super cheap, super cheap. What he bought me when I was a child, Jalen, a 35-millimeter camera. Bought me a 35-millimeter camera. Uh, but he said, when I buy you this camera, I'm never paying to get film developed. Because my daddy cheap. So what I'm going to have to do is to teach you how to develop your own film. Because I'm not paying to get 
no film developed. Now, there's some young folk in the room that don't know what I'm talking about because y'all got these fancy phones and you don't even know what film is. You don't even know what a 35-millimeter camera is. But there was a time when photography was a little bit more than what iPhone put on your iPhones, yeah? So I had this 35-millimeter camera, and my father taught me how to develop film myself. And so he took me into the darkest space of our house, which was under the stairs as you were going down into the basement. And he took me under those stairs where you could not see your hand in front of your face. It was a dark room that was in the house. But I learned in that dark room that in order for film to be developed into the pictures that they were meant to be, they can only be developed in the darkness. Yeah, y'all going to get it in a minute. In the dark room. In the dark room, the film went through several steps. We, we soaked the film to swell a gel on the paper, and then we put it into a silver solution to begin to see the image on the paper, and then we put it in a tray that had burning acid in it. It burned it up real good. But then we put it in a tray Dr. Slaughter called the fixer, and the fixer made the negative, Brother Jason, image more permanent on the paper. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. The fixer made the the negative image that was a part of the process a whole lot more clear. Y'all don't know when to shout. The negative image some of y'all are trying to hide from is a part of the process that God is trying to take you through. Till we embrace the darkness and acknowledge the negative, we could not see the picture. Ha. 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 Somebody needs to hear what it is I'm trying to push on this morning. God has a picture of your situation and what it's going to look like. And it reminds me of what Bishop Blake in California used to say. He said, I see your future and you look a whole lot better than you look right now. You got to embrace. <laughs> somebody, somebody, somebody. Somebody needs to know that even in your darkness, God will take care of you. In fact, God will fortify your faith if you just sit still and let God do. <sighs> all right, all right. Slaughter used to tell me in seminary, I think it's trite to preach three points in the sermon. Well, that's all I know how to do. I'm sorry. I ain't no preacher like y'all. My second point is this. Verse, verse 3 says, the testing of your faith produces endurance. Listen to that. The testing of your faith is what produces the endurance you complain to God that you ain't got. I'm just reading what the text says. I'm suggesting that what I heard when I read the text is that our faith is fortified by having joy in what makes no sense to be joyful about. I'm going to say that one more again. Our faith is fortified by finding joy in things that it don't make no sense to be joyful about. Digging Yolanda, how you going to be joyful about the fact that your husband been gone for a year and you still trying to push? Our faith is fortified about finding joy in things that it don't make no sense to be, it make no sense to be joyful about the painful predicaments and the hurtful heartaches and Negroes letting you down and white supremacy still seeming to reign and systemic racism still being real. Our faith is fortified because our trials remind us of how weak we really are. Hear what I'm saying? <laughs> Hear what I'm saying? Uh, God fortifies our faith by testing us in light showers that we're going through right now that are preparing us for the storms that are around the corner. 
boy, I'm about to cuss in this pulpit. The lesson is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I wonder if there's anybody that realizes that if God had not allowed certain showers in our lives, that you never would have made it through the storms that ultimately came. When the joy of the Lord is your strength, you can count it all joy. You can count it all joy because it confounds the enemy. The enemy cannot understand how you can have joy and you ain't got no job. Praise when you got problems and hope when all hell breaks loose. You can count it all joy when your faith is fortified. You can count on the fact that God has a perfect preparation just for you. Y'all need to sit down. Y'all need to get this piece. Sit down. Go on. Sit down. Sit down. This is the last one. This is my third point. He don't like that. He don't like that. He don't like that. This is my third point. I'm going to be through. This is my third point. I'm going to be through. Verse 4 says, uh, And let endurance have its full effect so that you might be mature and complete, lacking nothing at all. By the camera's on, I want to cuss so bad. I wonder if there's anybody in here that wants to be complete and lacking nothing. I want to remind you that God has the uncanny ability to use your trials as a triumph in your life and make the enemy do more good for you than that you could ever do for yourself. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. God has planned the perfect preparation just for you. That's why the Bible says they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Don't worry about what it looks like right now. Try to push past what it feels like right now because God has got a perfect preparation just for you. <laughs> uh, in a real sense, what I'm arguing, TJ, is the fact that God has already worked it out. We're going to get to some regular old church language now. God already worked it out. Jacob said his name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I'm trying to suggest that whatever it is you need, God has already worked it out. Paul said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. God has already worked it out. All of your needs are taken care of. And for somebody who don't know what it is I'm saying right, that, that means that everything has already been taken care of. That means everything, all spiritual, family, and medical needs. It's all been taken care of. All relationship and financial and psychological needs. It's all been taken care of. That, that means big needs and small needs and hard needs and easy needs. All of our needs have already been taken care of. There's no danger that's too difficult, no hardship that's too hard, no journey that's too jumbled. God is the source of all of our needs. I'm trying to tell somebody today that God has got a perfect preparation just for you, and it's already worked out. God has already, let God, God has worked it out. All right, I'm going to close this way. Just because we celebrate eight years, I want to bring back some good memories to the preacher's mind. When we were seminarians, when we could pull a couple pennies together, we would go eat lunch at Busy Bee Restaurant. And I wasn't quite as blessed as the Slaughter family because 
I've never been doing very well for quite some time, and every now and again, I was able to go to Busy Bee, our restaurant. For those who are familiar with Busy Bee from back in the day, this is back in 2000, 2001, when you went into Busy Bee, there was one woman that handled all of the money. I ended up becoming cool with her, so I ain't talking too bad about her, but she had a bad attitude. If y'all don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't never been to Busy Bee. I put a couple pennies together, made my way to Busy Bee for lunch, and y'all remember when you went into Busy Bee, you would order your food, and they would just write the meal down on a check with no numbers on it, and then you went to the register and paid whatever that woman with the bad attitude told you you was going to pay. Y'all need to listen to what I'm saying. I'm about to close this thing out, and it's all tied together. I, I, I sat down, and when I looked at my bill on this particular day, Dr. Slaughter, I realized that they done put two meals on my bill, and I'm eating by myself. And this woman has a bad attitude, and y'all see how I'm struggling not to cuss in the pulpit. I've been biting my tongue for about a year and a half now because I want to tell this woman about herself. And in my mind, I'm like, I got her now. Because when I get up to that register, I'm going to point out this extra meal that's on my ticket. And I might use a cuss word even though I'm a preacher. Y'all not hearing what it is I'm saying. I was mad about trying to figure out how I was going to get this bill straight. I was mad about something that was on my bill that I did not order. Y'all going to get this in a minute. I was mad the entire time because my mind was on the cashier with the bad attitude. And when I got there to her, I was mad because there was only one cashier. She'd been doing me wrong for all the time I've been there. I was mad because I'm a preacher and I'm trying to decide whether I'm a show enough cusser or just a little bit cusser. But on this particular day, I was not in the mood to go all the way off. So I'm trying to figure out a way to use some erudite words to still cut her. But when I got to the register, this woman had the same attitude, but somebody else walked up and said, don't worry about his bill. The manager has already taken care of it. Y'all not hearing me. Y'all not hearing what it is I'm saying. The manager had caught a mistake on my bill and decided to pay the whole thing for the mistake that that woman had made. I almost missed the message from the manager. Y'all did not hear what it is I just said. I was focused on the meal that I did not order. I was focused on a bad attitude. And so just like y'all, I missed the whole message. I said the manager paid it all. Somebody needs to hear what it is I'm trying to say. There's some things on your bill in life. You did not order those things. But don't worry, because the manager has already paid it all. You didn't order sickness, but it's on your bill. I didn't order my mama dying, but it's on my bill. You didn't order trouble with your children, but it's on your bill. But I want you to know right now that the manager has already paid it all. Maybe y'all need some church language. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. And washed in white as snow. Here's another one. I was shackled by a heavy burden beneath the load of guilt and shame. But then the hand of the Lord touched me and now I'm no longer the same. He touched me. He touched me. He touched me. That's why I thank God for my mountains and I thank God for my valleys and I thank God for all that is done for me. Because if I never had a problem, I would not I know God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith 
what faith in God could do. I don't know about y'all, but we need to give God a hand clap of praise for eight years of ministry, eight years of leadership, eight years. For those who don't know, eight is the number of new beginnings. And my prayer is that in this new season that God has forced some of us to and through, that we make a commitment to do things a little bit differently now than we have been, even with your smart self. God bless y'all. Boy, he preached the hell out of that message. All right. Boy, he preached the hell out of that text. My goodness. Uh, it's a Camry, you said? A, a gray Camry that's blocking? Okay. All right. We got that. Oh, man. Come on, put your hands together for Reverend Rice for that message. We offer Christ to you right now. We offer Christ. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Oh, yes. We offer Christ. We offer Christ to you.
you lift your hands right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. And shout glory, shout glory, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, hey, shucks, this man that preached me happy today, oh, didn't Reverend Rice preach a word from the Lord, my goodness, a homiletic. He is indeed a homiletic craftsman, one who preaches at the highest level uh, with the most insightful hermeneutic and powerful homiletic delivery. Just a powerful, powerful man of God. And we were blessed that he stopped on the long way to share with us this morning. Come on, let's put our hands together for Reverend Rice one more time. Yeah, that was, that was homiletic genius. Homiletic genius. Yeah, that was no doubt. The bomb. Straight up. All right, it's uh, time for us to, to make our way out of this place. I believe there's food prepared for us downstairs. Uh -huh. Big Ham. Where's Big Ham? I don't see Big. Okay. Big, not little. Yeah. Big, not little. Come on up here, big. This is my friend. And a Tuskegeean. See, Kai. Kai Ayanta, no. It's my brother. And uh, he came and took me out the other day, back before they gave me my keys. Because they wouldn't let me drive. And uh, Scott came and got me and picked me up and took me 
let me see some of Atlanta and uh, have enjoy a meal with him. Uh, he's a good friend and a good brother and a good member of the beloved community church. So hear him as he blesses our food. Good day, everybody. Oh, man. Was that a sermon or what? I truly hope that uh, we all receive what was there for us. Uh, okay, first thing, uh, we got meals, we got tables and chairs out here to the uh, left, my left, your right. Uh, you can exit through the front or through the side. Uh, the meals should be already made up. There is uh, chicken, ham, uh, veggie plates, and uh, spaghetti, I think. Uh, the uh, one thing you should remember, there is zero eating in this building. Zero. So the, the plates are to-go plates. Uh, you can sit in your car, you can sit at the table. You, know, you can do it how you want to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Let's 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 pray for the meal. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you so very much for uh, all the hearts and souls that uh, have come to celebrate this occasion with us. God, please bless the hands, hearts, and souls that have prepared this meal. God, I pray that it is nourishing to our bodies as the word was to our souls. Father, thank you so very much for this time. It is in sweet black Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right. It's time to let's go. All right, it's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose but our chains. The words on the screen. It's our duty to fight for our freedom. It's our duty to win. It is our duty to win. We must love and support each other. We must love and support each other. We have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose but our chains. It's our duty to fight. To fight for our freedom. Nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose but our chains. We got nothing to lose. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got nothing to lose, y'all. Oh yeah. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose but our chains. Oh, we got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. 
Lord God, we thank you for this day, for everything that we've experienced. Thank you for this place called the Beloved and this people who are the Beloved. Thank you for those who have joined us to celebrate our eight years of existence into infinity. Eight is the number of infinity. And so we look forward to going on and on and on in you. And we ask these in all blessings in the name of sweet black Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our liberator, our healer, the one who gives us strength and power. And for his sake we say amen, amen, amen. Now reach your hand up high in the sky and pull down a handful of power and shout Harambe! 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 That means let's all pull together. And if we pull together, we can make it. We gonna make it. I love you. God loves you. Make sure you get something to eat. We got nothing to lose but our chains. Nothing to lose but our chains. We ain't got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got nothing to lose. Yeah.